Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight are Liam and John. How are you going, Liam? Hi, pretty good, thanks, Jared. Uh, getting warm here in Japan, 28 degrees today, and uh, hi, it's uh, all good. And how are you, John? I'm very well, very well. Had a very long day at work. Um, just clients asking for the world, so I'm glad to be here and chilling out. I know that problem, and... I'd know the opposite of your problem, Liam. Just <laughs> 28 degrees, it's 2.7 here at the moment. So, yeah, fun times. There's our weather wrap, everyone, that we usually have. Get over and done with. We're just talking off air beforehand. Question for everyone. Let us know in the comments. What's your favourite colour cordial? I want to know. And for those back home who don't know what cordial is, that's just squash or juice or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Let us know in the comments. Just want to settle a debate. Get it? Let us know. <laughs> I'm putting a vote out for Ribena just now, just before we start. So, <laughs> <you know. sighs> okay, so thanks everyone who listened in to last week's podcast. It was a um, a cracker in terms of the amount of people who listened, the amount of people who shared it for us on their social medias, on their Twitter comments, all that sort of stuff. We appreciate all you listening in. It's great to. Uh, so everyone's opinion on everything at the moment that's going on at the Celtic Football Club. So, yeah, grateful that you all took the time out of your day to listen in to us rambling about our love of the football club. First thing I want to talk about, we'll go on a few little uh, rumours and stories that have been floating around in the, um, the media this week. So we'll start with the first one, the latest on Ange Postacoglu. Now, apparently he is finishing up his last game at Yokohama today, then flying over to Japan tomorrow, or from Japan to Scotland tomorrow, to be unveiled some point later this week, or uh, unveiled, and then once he then do his quarantine. So, you heard anything different over in Japan, Liam? Um, no, that's that's the rumour that, that's still going around, that it's Wednesday's his last game. Um, but the thing is, with the... Uh, the timescales involved, I don't see him being unveiled this week because if he leaves here, say, Thursday morning Japan time, it's still going to be like Thursday Thursday night at the earliest it gets to Scotland. Then you get into Friday. Now, I reckon it'll be probably next Monday, Tuesday before they actually announce him, if he is going. That's why I thought I'd ask you the time frame because and what you're hearing because... You would have done that trip a few times from Japan back to Scotland, so you'll know better than any of us. Aye, and I'm in no fit state to do a press conference once I get off the plane, I tell you that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm hoping that's that it does actually happen. It gets announced, and even though it's got to spend two weeks in, um, what was it, 10 days or something in quarantine, you can still spend a lot of time looking at game tape, talking to players on the phone, having Zoom meetings, whatever he needs to do. To get up, get his feet, so get it, get his feet under a desk, and once he's able to get on that training camp in Wales, that's the target for him. Happy days, we hit the ground running. Now, yeah, go on, John. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that's that's um, that's perfect scenario, isn't it? If he can get down to Wales in time, Um, I think just meeting some expectations is that's. Very like Liam was saying, it's very slim timelines and deadlines and stuff. So, um, yeah, 
hopefully he gets there. But let's just let's just all um, concede in the fact that it's probably going to Kennedy for a while until all of this gets sorted properly and you know everything gets aligned right. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how I think it's going to play out. And Natasha on Axon was saying yesterday on their pod that she kind of feels bad for him, not even like Kennedy, not even knowing like where he where he sits in the whole situation. Is he going to be doing that? Should he be looking to leave? Is he going to have a job? So on the human side of it, yeah. But at the end of the day, I just want what's best for the club. If Ange's the man, great. If that means Kennedy's got to stay in and train him for a bit, so be it. I, I don't know if me personally, I'm um, keen on affording Kennedy much of the blame at all. So I know a lot of people want Kennedy and Strachan out the door and a complete refresh because of all of these psychological factors were chucked about in some of the Celtic forums about, oh, if Ange comes in, it'll be like these two guys will kind of run in Celtic and they won't really... Li-. Nah, these, these, all these men are extremely professional, right? They're all there to make sure that the machine works efficiently. I, I, don't, I don't think Kennedy and Strachan are the biggest issue. I think there's a systemic issue at Celtic, which someone outside of even um, what the manager can do uh, needs to be sorted. Um, And I reckon as soon as some other cogs come in, like for instance, for all of us in our own professional careers, right? If you were to get a new executive manager or you were to get a new colleague, you don't all of a sudden chuck all the toys out, right? You don't chuck all the toys out the pram. You, you, You go, right, how do I reassess how I work with this person? And so I, I think, Kennedy and Strachan sticking around could be a good thing. I mean, we'll, ha- we'll just have to see how it goes. But if they're also out the door because they feel like it's good for them, okay, then all the best. But yeah, so I'm not I'm not keen on affording them all of the blame. Well, on that point, it makes perfect sense because, like, as you said, like you can't give them all the blame. But then at the same time, how many years has Kennedy been involved in the first team setup while we went on that run to the nine? So exactly. you can't him with a brush for one bad season and overlook everything he's done up until that point in that run to the nine. So, you know, it's a bit of a two-way street. It's a bit of give and take. You've got to take the good with the bad. And at the same time, it's that actually ties into the next topic I wanted to bring up, which was rumours of both Kevin Musket and Sean Maloney being linked with the backroom team. Musket has now been ruled out, but I want to know what your first thoughts were, boys, when you first heard that. Um, look, I, me personally, I have absolutely no problem with um, as someone who's affiliated with the other side of Celtic, the other side of Glasgow, sorry, um, coming in to Celtic and trying to uh, do the best for their own personal career and do the best for the, the company that they work for at the time. I, I don't see... I think I think it's a little bit silly to just dismiss somebody completely because of their affiliations with other teams, even your biggest rivals, even the people that you kind of fucking hate a lot of the time, right? I, I just think it's absolute nonsense to go right. Well, that this is this is an outrage. How dare so it do this? Like it, it, this man's a Rangers man. It's like who cares if that person is right for the job at the time and they're going to make Celtic better? And that only that only helps us. Only help, and and if that also helps that person's career, then it's a, it's mutual, right? That's 
that's the best case scenario. So I, I think it's quite immature and quite unrealistic to uh, draw lines in the sand with people. And in fact, see if we get really vicious about this. This is what it was really. This is when it was really bad about having non-Catholic and non-Protestant players playing for your team. It's nonsense. It's a silliness. It's it's got to be the best person at the time to come in and make your team better. Um, and as far as Maloney goes, I think that could only just be. I can. Uh, that can only be a good thing. I think he's done fantastic things with Belgium. Um, and having him anywhere near Celtic at this point would just be, I'd I'd feel a, a lot more um, not confident but uh, enthusiastic about next season if Maloney was in. Not super enthusiastic, but a lot more than I am now. What do you reckon, Liam? Aye, um, on on the Kevin Muscat thing, I'm going to pretty much agree with John there. Um, I would just add the caveat that, and it doesn't just apply to Rangers. But uh, I tend to think more about is this person a bigot or has this person got a history of racism or anything, which Muscat didn't have, as far as I know. He played for Rangers, but I don't recall him ever acting like a hun, if you know what I mean. If you that 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 difference there, you know, um, you know, for example, somebody like Paolo Di Canio, I wouldn't want anywhere near Celtic because of his known political views. But that's a, that's a completely different story. Um, the Sean Maloney thing, yes, get him in, get him on board. Um, the uh, one, it's the experience that he's got with Belgium is invaluable. Um, but also, I think it's going to reassure people who are not sold on Ange Postecoglou because of the whole, oh, he's no a Celtic man, which I think is complete bullshit anyway. I think if you can manage in Japan, you can manage in Australia, you, you can manage in Scotland, right? If you're a good manager, you're a good manager. You, this He doesn't know the local league. Pish, right? How much do you know about, about Yokohama when he moved there and he went on to win the league there, right? Um, but I think having a perceived Celtic man like Sean Maloney in the background might shut a few of those people up, and that can only be a good thing. It's funny what you were saying earlier, John, about Musket. Like, he played 22 games with him, like, 20-something years ago. Like, it's, it's not like he was there for three, four, five years. It's not like he's a Craig Moore, a general strain who was there for years. And talking about bigotry there, Lamb, with Musky, mm. it's funny when he went off one game, then he got a card or something. He's done the sign of the cross and he copped it from his own fans. So that's why he went back there. So, yeah. Yeah, I just think if you're the best candidate, you get him in. Um, I don't think Maloney has much of a deal, much to do with Ange, but great to get him back involved. I still hope Ange brings one other person with him at least so that he's got his own backroom team. He's not having his backroom team forced on him because the talk was Lennon didn't get to pick his backroom staff last year. As a supporter, as well, been saying the manager has to pick their backroom staff. Eddie Howe has to pick his own backroom staff. That's why that broke down. If we don't allow Ange the same right to bring his own backroom staff in, like what we're going to do for Eddie Howe, then it's a double standard and it's not good enough, in my opinion. I, th- there's, there's a, there, I think there's a lot going on there, though, right? So I, I think... like I. I I agree with um, Gordon Strachan recently in the media saying we have to get over the Eddie Howe stuff. We kind of do, right? But I think it's I think it's an app. I, I I can't comprehend why Howe decided to to bin it 
because he couldn't get the right people in right then and there. And I always just because the way that I think, because I, I I don't I'm you know none of us are really involved in football to any great great detail. Um, so I always think about how it would be if you were in a business sense. If I was to come in as a manager, right, I wouldn't go well. I'm not going to take this new job this fantastic new job that forwards my career, me coming in benefits the company, all of this stuff, unless I get these people that I work with at other companies who have been great. These people might not want to, don't have have to leave the the jobs they're in. They might not want to leave. So you go, well, okay, so here's the people in my mind that I know that I work with really well, and I'll present to them positions and let them, you know, that's what you would do in any other position. So I don't understand why it's different for football. So look, I think Ange coming in and saying um, something along the lines of, I'm going to come in, um, I'm going to bring, I would like to bring these people with me. And if you can't get those people, I don't think you should chuck it away just because you can't get those individuals in. But absolutely, there's plenty of positions at Celtic right now that need to be bloody filled. So yeah, if Ange has these people that he works with really great, then you afford him everything he possibly can to get those candidates in. That's kind of why you pick a manager, right? Absolutely. And if you can't get those guys that you've worked with previously in, you know what sort of skill set and what sort of criteria you're looking at for a similar sort of person in that role. It's like if I go for a job and I don't get it because I don't tick the criteria or whatever, then of course I'm not going to get it. It's like, but if there's another candidate out there who ticks more of those boxes for that criteria for the same job, Good luck to them. They deserve that job. Exactly. Yeah. There's also just the, and again, wise after the event here, right? But in all honesty, looking at them just manager by manager, I'm more excited about Ange than I would be about Eddie Howe, to be honest. Eddie Howe, good manager, but what what has he ever won? You're looking at a guy here that's won titles, that's been to World Cups, that has worked at the very top level, albeit not in the UK yet, with with with, with Ange. So I, I would, I would, I, I would, if I was given a choice right now, Eddie Howe comes crawling back and says, "I want to now. We'll take, we'll take Postecoglou. Thank you, Cheerio. Yeah, I, I'm totally in that camp as well. If if somebody, I and again, I, I, we talked about this previously on other pods but i never i was never really convinced how how committed how was at the time anyway Mm. um but if somebody wants to throw it away for what i what i see as something very very silly um just can't get the right people in the right time it actually screams to me a really lack of confidence to be honest because he has to have the exact right people because that works from at bournemouth um i i think that's just a a a lack of confidence in your own abilities so right now i I agree i and i and i think one of the things we always talk about as Celtic fans is how we need to be a lot smarter in the football world we need to be we're we're struggling financially to compete with people with teams sorry in europe getting the same with you know with lots of different teams fighting each other over um uh, potential transfers so we need to be looking outside of that bubble and having someone outside of that bubble who actually knows Australian football Japanese football and that might be more inclined to look maybe into South America which is talked about as a possibility before as well I think that's great I think that's what we need it's more clever well yeah it's the world view like that's the way I'm looking at it. we call it the world game well if you've got a guy in there like Ange who knows Japan, knows what Korea and China and Australia and all New Zealand, this whole area of the world's like, 
then you put him in there with someone like a Maloney, for instance, who knows the European and UK markets, you're going to have a good setup. You're going to have a great view of the world and who's who's coming up, what players there are. And with the rebuild job we've got to do, if you go out there and um, you've got so many players, positions to fill, why not go to get someone from Japan if Ange knows they could do the job, even if it's not someone who's coached before? could be someone from Tokyo who's seen on I wouldn't mind that left back. He'd do a good job for me. Let's go get him. Or there's a there's a winger there I want. Let's get him. So absolutely, you'll get them a lot cheaper. So and and look and and again with that as well is finding the right type of people um, that are outside of that European bubble might mean uh, looking at people that you wouldn't otherwise um, like to be affiliate. Well, maybe not like to be affiliated with, but have affiliations with Rangers, for instance. Like I know for a fact that Kenny Miller's currently coaching in Sydney right now, right? Well, let's say in a couple of years time, let's say Kenny Miller becomes a really good coach. Is that somebody that Ange would be more likely to look at as a possibility of bringing into Celtic because he doesn't really have that chip on his shoulders, like, so to speak, and Miller might be the perfect person for the time. I think that's exact. Sometimes we really put ourselves into the box. We, we, even the fans, but the board as well. About is he a Celtic man? Are, are they? Are they Irish? Are they Scottish? Do they or are they, are they affiliated with Celtic some, somehow? That's the man for us. It's like it's a nonsense because you, you want the you want people who are the best at for that position, and that sometimes means looking in every single nook and cranny of the world. And that's what we want. Aye. That kind of attitude is what gets you people like Shane Duffy and Tony Mowbray, ultimately. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Was it Mowbray today, 12 years ago or something? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Ah, brilliant. So, next thing I want to jump on to then, because we're talking about looking outside for other players, there's a whole bunch of rumoured players leaving. So we'll just rattle through them. We'll keep it just to we'll keep it as simple as we can. A couple of quick thoughts each and then on to the next one. So the first one is Jack Henry has gone for one and a half million to Ustend. To me, I would have liked to see him get another chance. If he has a good Euros, Ustend will flip him, they'll get him in, they'll sell him on maybe five, ten million, whatever. That's the talk that you were reading in the paper clubs like Leeds and Aston Villa and West Brom and then we're looking at him for that kind of price range. They make the profit for someone who was our player last year and it leaves us even shorter at centre-back position going into the Champions League qualifiers. What are your thoughts on that transfer leaving? Uh, um, not good. I think I think that's another failure. I think that's I think that's not a failure we've done recently. I think that's just... A hangover from 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 sending Hendry off on loan. I don't think uh, we should. I think we should learn from this mistake. We probably won't about signing clauses to contracts, letting um, effectively the proponent, the 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 team that you're loaning a player to, trigger clauses to buy them. It should be on mutual consent. It should be a, a you know some 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 sort of contractual clause that says that if blah blah blah. Your, this team wants to buy the player, then here is the agreed fee between them. But it can only be 
triggered if both teams agree. And if and if that is what was in his contract and we've let him go and we've said, yeah, you can buy him for a million and a half, that's the stupidest fucking thing we've ever done. We, that, that, that is, we are, we are in dire need of, of centre-backs. That boy looks like he's really benefited from playing in Belgium. And even, even if we didn't have plans for him in the future, we could just be doing what... Um, What's the team he's for, playing for now? Ustend. Ustend. Yeah. We could just be doing what Ustend's doing and just flip him really quick. Stupid. We need the money as well, let's be honest. So, yeah. Nonsense. Yeah, the whole idea of sending a player out on loan supposedly to improve him, but then saying, but we'll let him go for a nominal fee if he's any good. Well, what's the point in trying to improve him then? Yeah. It's a completely pointless exercise. So obviously, the Celtic management team, as it was at the beginning of the season, didn't rate him. And let's be honest, a lot of us didn't either. But he was still young enough that he could develop. And sending him out with that such a low fee was just stupidity in the extreme. Um, just poor management and lack of attention to detail, which really has just been part of the course of Celtic for about the last 18 months. Well, that um, yep. with me, I'll look at that and go, well, that's just part of the Shane Duffy scenario because Duffy came in and we all thought, oh, that's a great signing. So now Hendry can go out on loan. Mm. We're not going to miss him. And look what happened. Yeah, exactly. Who would you rather have now, Duffy or Hendry? <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I'll tell you something else as well. I, I imagine that they, in that contract, they didn't have a recall clause. Yeah. Because we would have recalled him, right? Yeah. So that's the first issue. The next one, which I'll tie into, is I will, we'll come back to that that one. But yeah, Eddie Ellis for eighteen million, and I'll tie that one into Lee Griffiths potentially being a free agent now, according to his brother. Let's put them together. What are your thoughts on that, John? On both of those, um, Eddie. I worked this out actually. So um, I, I read somewhere somebody, um, one of these Celtic blogs, had done a lot of work, um, a really good article actually, and it, it was saying all of all, it was listing all the players that were linked or very likely to leave this this window, um, and it was twenty players, twenty players, and I and I sent that to my cousins, um, and just as I sent that, they pinged a message back, which was the link to. Eddie going to Leicester and they, you know, said, well, that's one down, John, you were right there. And then I worked out just based off rumours, obviously, about what his sell-on clause is. And I can't remember if it was 30% or 40%, but if it's 30%, we'll make less than 4 million on that transfer. And if it's 40%, we'll make about a million. And I think that is, uh, that has to be one of the biggest um, failures of of modern Celtic to have a player of that ability who we should have probably sold last summer for 40 million, maybe for something around that, 30 to 40 million. And we've now gone down to under 20, but because of the sell-on clauses, we'll not make much money on that at all. And we won't reinvest it. Um, Cause let's be honest. That's, I mean, actually to be fair, if Lowell's out, maybe we might, but I don't know if we can really risk that at the moment. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, 
I guess making any money right now makes sense. But I, I, I said this in the group chat to my cousins. I said, I think a failure in one place affects everything in Celtic. So a failure in the business sense, a failure in the transfer transfer um, policies and systems is a failure, what will eventually cause a failure on the pitch. And it will cause a failure in everywhere else as well. So it's, it's, it's a machine and all the cogs need to be working well for, for the business side and the club to run. Um, so... I don't see that as a positive. I'm really gutted by that, to be honest. But he was always going to go, let's be honest. Um, I think the Griffiths thing for me uh, is tough because I think we are struggling with strikers at the moment. However, I think, for me, I think as a player, he burnt Bridges a while ago. Uh, as an individual, I'll always love Lee Griffiths. I think he was, I think he was one of the best strikers we've had. Um, and I just think that his personal issues have uh, caused too many problems for, for the, the club. Uh, and then he didn't take any personal responsibility for that. Um, so I think Bridges burnt, but wish him all the best wherever he goes, if he, if he becomes a free agent. So, yeah, I, we need strikers, I think is basically the crux of that. Oh, how do you lame? The unfortunate reality is that considering the God awful season that the entire team has had, I actually think we'd be lucky to get 18 million for Edward in the current market. And like like John says, if we'd sold him a year ago, 35, 40 million easily. Um, we're now looking at less than half that. But it's a depressed market. It's um, it's going to be that way for probably another year or so because it will be probably next, the season after next before crowds are completely back to normal. And revenue streams are completely back to normal, and people's jobs are back to normal, which all has a knock-on effect. And yeah, um, people will say, "Oh, yeah, but look what he does for the French under twenty-ones." I say, "Ah, oh, yeah, well, so did Stefan Givarch. You know, <laughs> what did he end up doing? Now Eddie's a better player than Givarch ever was, but you know, um, you can't use under twenty-one football as a justification." for a £40 million fee. You can use good performances in Europe and winning domestic championships as a justification for a high fee, which Celtic failed on both accounts this year. So, unfortunately, he is probably about an £18 million player on the current open market. Uh, Griffiths, I'm going to completely echo what John said. Wish him all the best. I think a move away from Celtic is what is best for him personally, for the club professionally. And I just hope he goes somewhere where he can he can be happy and he can start enjoying his life and enjoying his football again because it's clear, it's clear that for the last couple of years it hasn't for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, I have to echo what you both said about there the for, Griff, for Griffs. Yeah, um, all the best to him. He's been a good servant. He's probably a fresh start's best for him. Talking about Eddie, you're talking about the fee would make on him, John. So apparently it's a 50 50 split between us and PSG on the profit. So if we paid 9 million for him, we're getting 18. There's 9 million. So 4.5 of that will go to PSG. The other 4.5 is to us. So we'll get 13.5 for that to reinvest. I mean, that, that means that if it was a sell on clause, it's, it's above 40%. Oh no, above above thirty percent, somewhere between thirty and forty percent. That's 
horrific for me personally. Ridiculous, yeah. So I just hope that if he goes for 18 million, as William said, it's a depressed market. A lot of clubs, you know, don't losing their season ticket money and all this. There's not a lot of money out there to spend. Same issue is going to affect Christie's fee, Ayer's fee, Eddie's fee. So realistically, as long as we're putting good sell-on clauses on top of this for future seasons, once you're staying in the season or two, once crowds are back in the revenue streams there, if he goes to Leicester, he's still got a good quality move left after that. Let's be honest, he's a good enough player. Aye. So when that move happens, that's where we'll make our money on this one. Yeah, and 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 that's really the only positive we have. And that would be clever uh, business to um, to maybe sacrifice the short term financial gain for the long term financial gain. Um, and I think Edward's going to Leicester, or at least from um, what he's been saying and what a lot of Leicester fans have been saying, as like the number two striker, um, just to... Just, but he'll get lots of games. He might get 20 games a year or something, but he's not going to be playing every single game. And and, and that opens up an avenue, like you're saying, um, Jared, for potentially a move somewhere else. Maybe like an... Oh, maybe not an Arsenal, but I don't know. Maybe, if he does very well, maybe he would go to United or somebody like that. Yeah, I was thinking of Man United or even across from there, across to like Juventus or something like that, or back yep. to PSG in the future. Yep. So, off the back of that, I just touched on him before. Chris Iyer's comments about leaving and having a gentleman's agreement that he wanted to leave last year was talked into staying for the run at the 10 on the proviso that he would be leaving this season. Any surprises there? Nah, that's pretty much what I've expected. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm the same, um, and I I think he's done us, um, not not he's not done us favors. What's the right word? He's probably um, he's done a he's done an Armstrong, hasn't he? He's he's been a professional and a gentleman, and he said, "All right, I'll stick around for another year because um, I value my time at this club, and I greatly appreciate everything I has done." So nobody's surprised that he's moving on. I hope we get a good fee for him. Um, that boy is going to be fucking sensational, to be honest. I think, a, a, you know, a better club with better coaching staff, um, he he could be a very, very good defender in the Premier League, for sure. It's just a shame Norway didn't qualify for the Euros because, uh, you know, a, a couple of good displays at that level and we could be talking of, you know, 30-plus million for him. Yeah, and it also probably means that he'll get sold quite quick, right? Because they're not because he because he's not distracted by being away f- with Norway, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. The, the yeah, I think um, which is probably the whole transfer window for us might have this um, sluggish effect of we're waiting for the Euros to finish and then uh, you know, <laughs> and it's a weird one because if you if you're targeting these players and they do really well, you, they, sometimes they get priced out of what you can afford. And then if you kind of you don't want them to do shit because they're not a of shit player, but you know if they did do shit, then it means that their price comes down. So it's always weird when these international tournaments happen what, in the transfer. What window. you want is let's just just hypothetically, right? Just say for example, Celtic had their eye on a Russian striker, right? Just for example, you want Russia to get bumped out in round one, mm. so. But for that striker to not have to, you know, to have to play three decent games, so he's not done enough in the tournament that Juventus are going to come in for him. But he's done enough that 
if we sign him, there's not going to be too many tantrums from the bedwetters amongst our support, you know? Yep. That's what you want, ideally. And anyone we're selling, you want to have an absolute blonder of a tournament, go as far as possible and run their sale price up. Ah, uh, exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. My <laughs> one concern with IR is what you, got, what you said, John, is it's gonna if you go somewhere with good coaching or develop a, as a centre-back, that's what he needs for his career. But the club's being linked with him at the moment in the Premier League are Norwich and Newcastle. And the talk is they're looking, they're trying to get him on the cheap for like eight million pound or something. Newcastle even have a goalkeeper that we're linked with, Freddie Woodman or whatever it is. So I don't know how it's going to end up there, but yeah, I think he's worth more than eight million in this far market. You'd be wanting at least eight figures for him, for sure. Far, far too good for a Norwich. If you look I'm... at it and go, you look at it and go, Wire, this time last year, nine in a row, in form. Christie was one of our top goal scorers in form, and Edward with the form he was in. He's talking 30, 40 million for Edward. You're probably talking 20, 20 million, 25 million for Ayer, and probably about 20 million for Christie. Add all that up, what are you looking at? 75, 80 million. So, and now we're going to be lucky to probably get 30 for them. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I, I, I have a. I have a real soft spot, a bias, you might say, for Newcastle um, because it was the first ever team I watched live. Um, obviously, growing up in the south of England, it was Aston Villa and Newcastle. Um, so I, I quite like Newcastle. I, I think they're a sleeping giant, to be honest. I think they're. I think I think their fans are quite similar to Celtic fans, right? We have a similar background um, and you know, very passionate fans and all of that stuff. Um, I'll just let that we train go past. Is a trainer and earthquake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I, I, I do think, and I think from a lot of the chat that's going on in English media about Newcastle and there, and there's a real buzz around potential buyers coming in and making Newcastle into the new Man City or somebody like that. So I think if 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 that's all true and that materialises, I think Aya could do quite well going into a Newcastle team. Where Newcastle and Norwich are right now, he's too good for. And I think I think a lot of people who don't watch Scottish football dismiss any fan of Scottish football as, you don't know the fuck you're talking about because you, you watch a shite league or whatever. But Celtic mm. fans have never been wrong. Do you know what I mean? We've never been wrong when we say, that's a player, by the way. Look at Armstrong, look at Winyama, look at Van Dyke. We've, we've never said, we've always said, look at Tierney. We've always said, these are players, by the way. And they'll do really well at your team, and you know, and there's always a bit of um and iron, and then and then we're proven correct. So I think I is going to do well. I think wherever he goes is going to do well. But he is too good for a Norwich for a Norwich or a Newcastle at the moment. I think low end Premier League team for him would be ideal for him would be probably an Everton or a uh, Aston Villa sort of level. That's about yeah. That's as low mm. as I'd imagine him at Villa with John McGinn in front of him. Like, I think that'd be, be a amazing. good little setup. Yep, I, I think agree. he'd do really well at West Ham if he went to West Ham. Yeah. I've I've watched quite a bit of West Ham this year because one of my one of my mates here is a West Ham supporter, and uh, I like that the, they play football. And I... Okay, um, cheerio, um, Liam. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah. internet problems, guys. 
So while he's while he's frozen and like grabbing his eyebrow on this picture in front of us that you guys can't <laughs> see, we'll we'll jump on to the next rumor, which is Livian champed AK Athens. Now AK Athens are trying to say, oh, instead of paying a fee, I'll reduce some of the money we owe him for Barkas. Well, your thoughts, John? <laughs> no, you're okay. Yeah, you're fine there. You, uh, I, <laughs> the champs fucked it for himself, isn't he? Really, is it? it the whole move, um, the the the, the demands that he's made to go into uh, league and um, and it hasn't worked out for him. And I, I, look, I don't know. I don't watch Greek football. I'm going to be honest. But AEK Athens, surely Celtic are a bigger stature club. Like I know we're not exactly doing amazing just now, but that's that's our dead step down for me. That's I think that's a step down to most people. Like he's gonna he's going into a league like the Greek league is for me kind of like going into like the Turkish league or um, the Croatian league. Like you just disappear in those leagues. Like he's nobody's, nobody's scouting those leagues um, for, for amazing players or anything. So uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't accept, or if I was in, if I had the decision, I would not be accepting a reduced amount for the Barcast deal. I would be wanting my money up front, and then we can reinvest that in another player. But if I was in the champ, I wouldn't be taking that offer either. But I, I don't think he's got much options. He doesn't want to be at Celtic. Celtic definitely don't want him around. Um, so he's probably going to have to. Beggars can't be choosers. So I've got a funny thought on this. The own, and this is not in champ related. It's talking about Greek football in general. Which is the only former European champion country that didn't qualify for this Euros? Please. Greeks. Uh, so, yeah. And the majority of their national team are playing in that league. So yeah. I think that says it all. Yeah. Hmm. Now, nah, I, I wouldn't be... You know what? I actually, if, if you look at it 12 months away from Cham, leave it on a free, the talk is that He's trying to get a buy out of his deal and just be done, or we're going to release him anyway. If that means we can save five hundred grand or something off the Barkas fee, I'd actually take it. Just we might sell Barkas. Yeah, but then that means we don't have to pay less of a sell-on or pass on those because we still owe that money to AEK Athens. So if we sell Barkas, we still owe that debt, which is then going to come off the money we make. So if you can kill two birds with one stone there, Get rid of Encham, save some cash there, sell Barkers, pay off the remainder that you need from him and keep it. Then you've got more cash. And you've you've got you freed up your wage bill from two players. I think it could actually be a good situation to have. Yeah. Yeah. I'd concede that, sure. That does sound okay. Basic mathematics, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pod name. Basic mathematics. Basic mathematics. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that is something that we all need to bear in mind, though, is that there's probably going to be a lot more going out before we have a lot coming in this year. Because I think the manager comes in, hopefully in the next week or so, the first step is going to be getting rid of what he doesn't want. And then after the Euros, we're going to sign who we want. And I reckon so you could... I mean, hypothetically, we could get to a point whereby... You know, by towards the end of June, we are down to a squad of maybe 10 or 15 first team players. And then. And then we've got two weeks. Seven, to or, eight of, new, yeah. seven or eight yeah. new players come in. 
you know, that, that's... Mm. If that happens, Liam, it's mental because we're going to have two weeks to get a whole squad in. I know, but, but that's how it's probably going to play out because Celtic always leave it to the last fucking minute. That's just the yeah. way it is. That's that's no, lions. no Lions. Get players in their ass. Yeah. Mm. That's terrifying. Is is what that is, and um, maybe it will mean as. And I think you guys talked about it before. Maybe this is um, the opportunity for a lot of the young boys to come in and shine and get their experience. Because I think when, that last season when we saw them, um, the games where we had pretty much our first team, maybe even our second team, having to isolate, they came in and a lot of those boys looked really good. Maybe Dembele will stick around now because he's like, oh, here's an opportunity for me now. I'm gonna, um, you know. I'm going to give them Forrest a run for his money. So, yeah, maybe we'll do that. But I think if Nicham sticks around long enough to help us qualify in Europe, then that might help him at least showcase his abilities for a team to move on. And I would be quite okay with that situation. To bring Nicham back, say to him, look, we're going to sell you at the first opportunity because you don't want to be here and we definitely don't want you to stick around. So just play these games, do your bloody best, it helps us, but it more helps you to, to do the best of your abilities. I'd be okay with that as well. Put him in yeah. the shop window. Yeah, exactly. The only issue I can see with what you just said about playing the young guys, yes, there's some good players there, but we've got the Colts team coming in as well next season. So yep. where you'd normally want to play those young guys or keep those young guys around, is it are they going to be a bench player or a squad player for the first team, or would they be better off going to the Colts, playing week in week out against men for a whole season? We have huge problems this season. We're having talking about the Colts, this could be an entirely different podcast because we have the Colts happening this year with the Euros and then the Olympics. So we could be really down to bare, bare bones. And with potentially, if you believe all the rumours, 20 first-team players leaving, this could be an absolute struggle for us. That's why I said before, this could be two, three years rebuild. And I think I think we all need to accept that that's probably, what's, that's probably the case. Like, next year is going to be tough for all Scottish teams, um, or at least the ones that are really competing for the league. Um, but for Celtic fans, like we're gonna, we there's gonna be booing again at the stadiums. We're gonna be doing that really bullshit stuff where we're booing fans for not getting what we want because we've got this sense of entitlement. It's gonna be tough. Yeah. Just a thought. Have you, have you ever heard the saying? There's opportunity in misery. Uh, no, but yes, okay. Maybe that's the name of the podcast. <laughs> because if we're worrying about the misery that we've just had last season and with all these players leaving and all that bad stuff going on there, there's an opportunity. You could have a Luke O'Connell come in and do well. Afalabi, O'Connor, these guys could come in, do well early days, and then suddenly we don't need to go and sign as many players, which then means... We don't have to spend as much money, which means we can stump up an extra one, two million on a couple of players. Instead of spending three million on that centre back, let's spend five million on a centre back. Or instead of spending five million on a striker, let's spend seven, eight million on him. So if we're going through all this and we're getting down the bare bones, the misery that we have fuck all players at one point, actually I find it exciting because it 
opens up opportunities that we haven't had in a long time. So that's just what I'm looking at. That's just me trying to put a positive spin on things here because I'm sick of being upset and angry at my football club. <laughs> I'm all for that, Jared. Be positive. And then I'll probably punch myself in the face after the first game when we lose. <laughs> 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 what are you talking about, you dickhead? <laughs> Yeah. Never, never punch yourself in the face. That's a waste. That's a waste of energy. Punch a hun instead. Anyway, <laughs> um, well, huns do that to themselves anyway. We don't need to. Well, the ones that still have hands do anyway. Huh? Yeah. <sighs> so, talking about dickhead comments, perfect little segue. Neil Lennon's yeah. interview. Anyone? Mm. Liam, oh, you. Oh dear. Classic. Liam's rant time. Everyone, here he is. Yeah, I'm like. Guys, sometimes you just need to walk away from something and give yourself a bit of emotional space before you try and talk about it again. It's like if your girlfriend's chucked you hypothetically, right? Don't talk to anybody about it for at least a few weeks. Get your head clear because you're just going to be like, that bitch did this, did this, did this, and you're not going to think about it clearly, right? I think Neil Lennon is still in the bitter X phase of being a Celtic manager, right? And that coupled with the fact that he's a pretty emotional, reactionary guy anyway, I, I'm i more angry at the journalist who conducted the interview than I am at Neil Lennon, to be honest, because clearly they, they knew all the right questions to ask to trigger the, the right responses to get the quotes that they wanted because that was not an interview, it was a quote farming session. And sadly, Neil Lennon is, in, is currently in a an emotional and mental state where he, he was taken in by it. That's that's my summing up of it, anyway. John? Yeah. Your turn. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. I feel like he's just been a bit bitter. Um, I was, I have to admit, I was really disappointed by the comments. I think... Um, kicking us whilst we're down is not uh, a pleasant thing to do it's not even not it's not even um an unprofessional thing to do it's just it's just an unpleasant thing to do in general um i think it was really uh it was passing the blame off to fans and uh, fans have absolutely nothing to do with it we don't make we don't make any decisions. It's not as if he didn't know that the type of pressure Celtic brings. It's not this, and there's no such thing as a new breed of Celtic fans. If he truly believes that, then that shows how disconnected he was from Celtic fans in today's age. Completely to believe there's a new breed. It's just, it's just, just younger kids. It's just young people who grow up to be 25, 26 year olds who are saying, "Pull your fucking finger out, Neil. This is not good enough." And to, to claim it there, oh, I don't know. I was just disappointed. But again, though, that's about how was the question asked, right? Because I'm going to guess, knowing the particular scumminess of the journalist who did it in the paper that he works for, he, he didn't ask Neil Lennon something like, what do you think of the, of the reaction of the fans this season? He'd be like, what's your take on this entitled group of new Celtic fans who think they deserve to win everything? You know, mm. he's going to frame it in such a way that's going to get Lennon's back up and then you're going to get a response like that. Now, Lennon that, still shouldn't have said it. He yeah, still shouldn't have exactly. said it. But the, the journalist knew what he was doing. 
Yeah, but it it shows a, a real lack of immaturity to um, if if that's the way that the journalist was phrasing it, and and you'd know better than me about the journalistic stuff. But if if, if it was purely a case of the journalist is phrasing it, quick, Neil could have just said, "What well, entitled fans? Would you that that doesn't that I I um I don't I don't accept the premise of your question. That's, that he easily could have done that. He didn't because actually secretly he believed it. He also mm-hmm. believed that there's an entitled. I mean, it's actually not wrong. I do think there is. I think there is a vein of quite quite a large vein of entitled Celtic fans where um, we expected a lot of stuff, and and I am guilty of that. We are guilty of that, right? We all expected certain things to happen because it was so good for us for such a long time. But you know, that's part of being a fan and, and growing and stuff is realizing you were wrong. And Neil's not done that. Neil's not accepted or acknowledged any of the shortcomings that that he participated in whilst he was at Soic. Aye. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. So I have two or three thoughts here. Number one, glad you mentioned the new breed bands thing because Neil plays up to the galleries. He'd have a win, he'd go over to the Green Brigade, yeah, 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 wave his hands around, wave them on, cut to him, do the aeroplane to them, all this sort of stuff, right? Wouldn't celebrate him. Yet now he's got an issue with those same people booing him because of the job that he did, which was terrible. That's number one. Also, I think referring about new breed fans is referring to podcasters, YouTubers, the fan media, which the club can't filter. Mm. They can't, the club can't tell us what to put out on this on this podcast platform. They can't do the same with Axon. They can't do the same with the Cynic, 20 Minute Teams, 67 Hail Hail on YouTube. All those guys, they've got no say over it. So is that who he's referring to as the new age of fans? Quite possibly. The second thing is, yes, the questioning is wrong, but I also think he shouldn't have done the interview, but it's because he's hired that PR firm to try and repair his reputation so that he can get his next job. I reckon those guys stitched him up while setting this up. I don't think Neil actually would have accepted it himself. I reckon it would have been him and his PR firm looking for this. Mm. And the third thing is if he's going to claim, I beat Lazio in Italy, yeah, but you also lost to Sparta Prague 4-1 home and away. Mm. You also lost to Ferenc Varos. You also lost to Cluj. If you're going to claim the good stuff, what about those bad results? Yeah, exactly. So just things like that that he said in the interview that I was just like, mate, these are the main things that just rolled me up here in it. But at the same time, eh, everyone's going to interpret what he said different. He said his piece. I think he's clearly had a bit of an own goal there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I it's I I think maybe um, it's part. Yeah, I think a large part of it might be trying to get a new job. And then if that's it, then I'm I'm all for that. To be honest, we're all out here surviving. Do you grafting whatever you can, wheeling and dealing? Go for it, Neil. I'm, I don't have a problem with, um, you know, blaming others, dragging maybe Celtic through the mud a bit. If that means that you're going to go on and, and get a new job, that's that's part of everything. We we should respond though, which is what we're doing, right? This is our response. So mm-hmm. he has to accept that that happens as well. He can say what we he he wants to say, and we say what we want to say. And if that's part of the new breed, then well, this is it. Welcome to it. Yep. Have at it, Neil. 
<laughs> All right. So I'll, yeah. I'll combine the next two topics together because Liam's got a Japanese lesson coming up in a couple of minutes. So we've got yep. to wrap this podcast up. So there's rumours that Peter Lawwell has already left the club. He's been paid up to the end of the month and he's gone. Do you guys actually think that has happened? Yes or no? No. No. And I'm no as well. The reason I said it that way is because the Green Brigade protest that they've done, banners out the front of Celtic Park, 100 days since Lennon left. And it's the middle one was Law. They had Bankier. Then they put Tom Mackay in. Massive own goal with that. He hasn't even taken over the role, in my opinion. I agreed with the first two days of it. As soon as they put Don McCoy in there, I was like, I'm off your bus. Not not happy with that. He hasn't even taken over. So I don't know. I always want to get your thoughts on that one, both boys. Go on, Liam. You go because you might need to head. I, what, what I would say with the Don McCoy thing, um, through hearing from you know better-informed fans and myself, folk like Paul Larkin, for example, um, Mackay hasn't exactly done a great job of ingratiating himself with the fan groups that he has spoken to thus far. Um, there's been an attitude of arrogance, an attitude of not understanding. You know, for example, um, the Celtic Trust put forward a perfectly reasonable um, proposal to give fans shares in the club as part of the added value that they were supposed to get for their their season tickets last season, instead of the £50 gift voucher, which triggered my Roman rant of a couple of weeks ago, which you can go back and listen to. Um, the, uh, you know, he, he, he has only just got in the door, but what has come out about him so far indicates it's more of the same. So I might not necessarily agree with that Green Brigade banner, but I can understand why they, they've done it if they've been privy to the same conversations that I have. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am all for protests in any form. I think it's, um, gives complete agency to individuals. Um, if the green brigade want to protest in any way, shape or form that they feel is their right to do so, then I'm, I'm fine with that. I also Mm. have the right to uh, disagree with it. Um, so I think the Mackay stuff was completely st- stupid. I think that just made no sense. Um, I think the uh, Lawwall stuff, knowing that he's leaving anyway, is a bit dumb also. Um, but I, the premise of it, yes, I, I, I think that's, I agree. I think it's it, to, to protest the fact that um, the running of the club has been lackluster for the past probably three years Um I'd be, I'd be, I think we should all protest. And I think a lot of um, Celtic fans have been saying, look, I'm, I'm always going to renew my season ticket, but I'm also reserving the right that I'm probably going to have a small little banner saying, you know, bored out or unacceptable or whatever they, they feel that they're, they, they're right to say. So, yeah, I, I don't have any problem with it. I also don't, I don't, I also don't accept, sorry, sorry, Jared. I also don't accept uh, some other Celtic fans who say stupid stuff like, uh, the Green Brigade is fantastic for the atmosphere, and then whenever they do anything else, that they're horrible or, or, or they uh, don't. I don't identify with that group. It's you, again, like we're saying, you take the good with the bad. So the Green Brigade are fantastic, or they're or they're um, they're doing a they're a disadvantage. It has to be one or the other. Not you can't pick and choose when it suits you. 
yeah, there's no grey areas out there. And what I was laughing there, John, what you said was we're going to have in your seat, your season two with your little sign, what like an Arsenal fan saying Cronky out. Yeah. That's what I was laughing. You said that and I was yeah. picturing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of flog Guna fans. Lovely. Uh, all right. So what we'll do, last little thing before we end the podcast, I just want to end it on a positive. Celtic women's team qualified for the Champions League. Go, you good things. Well done. Fran Alonso, what a suit game. Get on board, everyone. Make sure you're watching them and supporting the girls next year. In the 100%. League. League. Yep. I watched the first half of that, the, the women's game on Sunday before the Scotland game, and I have to say I was very impressed with what I saw. Um, great team spirit, great style of play, good attacking, playing the Celtic way. The boys could learn a lot from that, I tell you. They really could. Tell- Televise it more, right? Yes. Televise it so we can watch it and we'll support more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get, get the girls on Celtic TV next season. Happy days. 100%. And the, and the Colts. And I'll actually sign up to Celtic TV instead of doing streams CSC. <laughs> you know, they should do anyway. what they used to do with the reserves. They used to, they used to be the reserves would play at home at Celtic Park whenever Celtic had an away game. Yeah, they should do that. Do that with the women's team. And even say to season ticket holders, if you want to pay an extra 100 quid a year or something, you can go to all the women's games for free as well. Yep. They would get 15,000, 20,000 a crowd every week if they did that. Great. 100%. Great for the girls. Good support. Money coming into the club, which can help run that program and sustain it. Perfect. Great okay. ideas, man, Liam. Now go learn some more Japanese, okay? All right. <laughs> yeah, all right. Everyone, All right, just, uh, make, sure, make sure you subscribe to the Under Podcast. Um, follow our, join our Facebook page and group. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Celtic Down. Other than that, hail, hail. Hail, hail. Hail, hail.